I would say hydrogen is 30 years away and always will be, but don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's just people seem to think it's always something of the future when actually we have all the technologies now, everything is in place for it to happen now. We just need to get some big projects out there on the ground. Um, and yeah, people can see, people can get experience using it, build up a supply chain, uh, get the right people to get trained up to use hydrogen safely. And yeah, I think that's sort of a bit frustrating. People just keep talking about pilot projects or innovation or innovation funding. It's more just time to get some some uh, big projects out there. Hello and welcome to Rethink What Matters, the podcast dedicated to aligning the economy with the ecology and everyone for improved business performance, stronger families and a greener, cooler planet. And today I'm joined by Lewis Farrer of Ricardo Energy and Environment and we're going to be discussing green hydrogen. Hi, thanks for having me on the on the program. You know, so green green hydrogen, it's often seen as expensive, um, perhaps hard to store maybe in transport, um, and people are unsure whether or not it's going to be the next big thing, or is it just going to be a passing phase? Perhaps if we're going to start off a little bit with Ricardo Energy. Sure, of course. So Ricardo is, a, uh, is an engineering consultancy firm, and we work on behalf of both public and private sector uh, clients, and this is all with a, a, a vision to help decarbonize um, by providing guidance uh, to these clients as to how best they can go around their decarbonization journeys. So this might be by providing net zero strategies or supporting with policy or working with a particular industry, uh, setting out a roadmap for decarbonizing how much this will cost them, how much, um, what timeframes this will happen, and sort of different options that are available uh, to our clients. Okay, all right. So what is green hydrogen? Sure, so hydrogen is a alternative fuel. Uh, some people say it's a silver bullet to our uh, climate change. Um, some people think it's less favorable, but um, essentially it's a clean fuel that can be used in either industry or in transport or in energy storage as a means to decarbonization. And the green hydrogen is produced by what's known as electrolysis, which is splitting off water into its constituent uh, elements, so hydrogen and oxygen, um, using green electricity, which can be from wind or solar or other uh, green uh, electricity methods. And yeah, this fuel can be used, can be combusted, it can be used in a fuel cell in other applications. Okay, so it seems like the only thing we need for this then is uh, wind, water and sun. Yeah, you'd, uh, you'd think so, yeah. I think one of the the sort of drawbacks also has been the, the cost, the supply chain, uh, the sort of catch-22 scenario uh, where supply and demand need to meet each other. Um, it's also got a lot of um, positive attributes in terms of being able to be used for a variety of different um, uses, so for transport, for industry, for energy storage, um, a lot of different use cases for it. But if all if all we need is wind, water, and sun, and there are no downsides, there's no pollution created, is there? I think it's just water. That's correct. Yeah, just just water is produced. So what's the problem? This sounds like too good to be true. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's expensive. So if you have a, a wind farm and then you have a, a electricity that then goes to an electrolyzer. Uh, which then splits the water in, into hydrogen and oxygen, and then you've got to store the hydrogen somewhere. 
uh, it's quite difficult to store because it's a smaller atom than um, other typical fuels. Um, and then you're going to transport it for, from where it's produced to wherever it's um, used. So this comes with a sort of array of challenges for us to overcome um, and bring the cost down and bring it more competitive with our, the fuels that we're most used to, I suppose. Um, we could have a future that is um, powered by green hydrogen. It just seems like a perfect answer to all of our problems. Yeah, on, on, on paper, definitely. Um, but yeah, if we address these challenges, it can be, become part of what people refer to as a hydrogen economy, where, you know, transport, we fill up our cars with hydrogen or, um, or yeah, we heat our homes with hydrogen, for example. Um, so it's got a lot of, a lot of use cases. Um, and yeah, I think over the coming years, some sort of innovation and projects that are coming along should be um, competitive with other fuels. But also remember, we have our other decarbonisation solutions, such as electric vehicles. So you have the playoff between electric vehicles and hydrogen, or you have uh, heat pumps versus hydrogen boilers, or um, we have these different sort of um, competition between different resources. Okay. Okay. So is green hydrogen a good way to store energy then? Because I think storage is another one of the answers we're all looking for, isn't it? You know, when, when the wind isn't blowing and the sun's not out, we want to be storing the energy for those times. So would green hydrogen be a solution for that? Yeah, of course. So um, hydrogen can be used. So you've got wind, wind and often the wind when the wind blows doesn't line up with when the, when the electricity is most in demand and the same with solar power, for example. Um, so one way of energy storage is to use the electricity when it's produced, so uh, a wind farm, for example, and then use this electricity to make hydrogen, and then you can store it for long periods of time. Um, you can store it um, underground, or you can store it um, in big sort of containers, and then when the hydrogen is needed, then you can use it and sort of use that long-term energy storage to match uh, electricity, the, the fuel consumption or energy demand with when it's required. So that's definitely one of the the big um, advantages, but then of course this is in competition with electric uh, battery storage and hydro storage, um, for example. So I think in the future we'll see a sort of mixture of different solutions to our storage needs. Um, I think at the moment hydrogen is mainly most used cases as sort of transports where people sort of realise hydrogen will be used, um, maybe for heavy goods vehicles, for buses, uh, for shipping, maybe in aviation as well. That's sort of the Thing that comes to mind is the obvious solution and also an industry so for high temperature processes uh, whether that's glass whether it's um, uh, distilleries for example or these sort of high temperature processes which need um, yeah these these temperatures which you can't reach with other decarbonization options right okay and i remember reading somewhere that you know we can't that the 21st century won't be able to survive without cement plastics ammonia for fertilizers or steel production. So would green hydrogen help in those four cases? Yeah, of course. So I think the, the some um, analysts or forecasts suggest that hydrogen is best used in these sort of chemical feedstocks. You mentioned ammonia there, for example. So I think most uh, hydrogen today is produced via grey hydrogen, which is where you produce it from natural gas, from fossil fuels through a reaction, and you get uh, your hydrogen. And this is used as a feedstock in refineries, in ammonia, ammonia production, and other sort of chemical processes. So if we swap this out for hydrogen that's produced green, um, then that's going to go a long way to decarbonize uh, these industries. So yeah, okay. totally agree with you there. Can you just explain the difference between the different types of hydrogens? Because there's green, blue, and gray, I think. 
Yeah, of course. So the main three are grey, as you mentioned, blue uh, and green. So grey hydrogen is uh, referred to hydrogen that is produced using fossil fuels. Uh, and yeah, as I said, it goes through a, a reaction to produce um, with the methane to then produce, to produce hydrogen. And this is obviously not a decarbonisation option. But this is definitely the, the, the route which is most uh, used used today. Um, I think it's over 90% perhaps of, of hydrogen produced today is via grey hydrogen. Then blue hydrogen um, is a decarbonized uh, method but also uses fossil fuels. So it's where you take natural gas and you uh, a reaction called steam methane reforming. There are different reactions such as autothermal reforming or partial uh, gas oxidation. And this produces a mixture of carbon dioxide and hydrogen. And then to then you add on a carbon capture element to the process. And this captures the carbon dioxide. And then you can take that and you can use it for other use cases, uh, as long as it's sort of stored permanently, or it can be stored permanently underground. And therefore, it can be coined as um, sort of carbon neutral. And then green hydrogen is the one which you mentioned before from, from renewable, renewable electricity. And you can also have uh, hydrogen produced in various different colours. You can have it produced for, by nuclear power, for example, or from bioenergy. Um, so different, uh, which is known as biohydrogen uh, or biogenic hydrogen. Um, and these are sort of different pathways to produce to produce hydrogen. Right, but, uh, but green hydrogen, hydrogen produced by electrolysis, that's what everybody's thinking of is the future, is that right? Yeah, I think everyone thinks uh, sort of a mixture between both green and blue. I think in the UK, uh, there's a goal for um, 10 gigawatts of hydrogen by 2030. Uh, at least half of this will be green hydrogen. Uh, so sort of a mixture between both. Uh, advantage of blue hydrogen is sort of reuses our existing knowledge with oil and gas um, expertise. And we can reduce large volumes of, of blue hydrogen uh, using uh, fossil fuels. Um, so I think it'd be a mixture of a mixture of both. Okay. Okay. And what are, are, are they looking at trying to make the electrolysis process more efficient and so less expensive? Is that possible? Yeah, of course. I think um, typical electrolysis is about 50 to 70% efficient. And of course, through the whole hydrogen sort of production process, we're looking at green hydrogen, every step of the way, there's going to be some losses. So you've got so it goes through the electrolysis and then you lose some energy. And then when you go to the storage and the transportation, and then when you use it in the final case, whether that's in a fuel cell or in a boiler, for example, then it's going to lose some more uh, useful energy. So every step, you have this term known as the round trip efficiency, which is sort of the overall efficiency from, from a well to tank. So from, from the production all the way through to its use case. Um, and and yeah, this is this is one of the sort of downsides of hydrogen is by the end of the process, your your efficiency is quite can be quite low, and therefore, so one of the challenges is to improve the sort of the reduce the energy losses at each of these steps. And um, so yeah, this is sort of one of the innovation aspects that people are looking at. So there's real competition, I think, between these renewable energies and different ways of storing this energy as well. Um, yeah, that's correct. So I know that uh, Elon Musk. Um, thinks that it's a very expensive way, I think, of producing electricity you know, compared to batteries. I mean, what, what is the, the competition like between green hydrogen and, uh, and batteries? How is that looking? Uh, well, I think most progress to, to date has definitely been on the batteries, electrification front uh, with electric vehicles, 
um, battery energy storage. Um, it's something that we hear a lot about in the media, as you mentioned with Elon Musk, uh, Tesla, a lot of these companies. But I think there's a role for both, um, particularly for heavy goods vehicle transports, these high, high loads uh, transport options where you've got um, heavy goods vehicles that are traveling across countries or uh, long distance buses or uh, refuse collection vehicles, for example, where they've got these sort of peaky high loads. Another use case for hydrogen could be um, non-road mobile machinery. So on construction sites, for example, where you've got very peaky uh, loads in demand, which can't always be met by um, by electrification. So yes, these are sort of some of the use cases where hydrogen will fit in. Um, I think definitely in the short term, we'll see a lot more electrification in terms of batteries for passenger transport. There might be a little bit of hydrogen, but I think mostly it'll be um, on the realms of, of electrification. Um, I guess yeah, so I think, yeah. I guess it's the application to a certain extent that it also defines which which um, which energy is most uh, most suitable. You know. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So obviously batteries are quite heavy. Yeah. Uh, they take a long time to charge. Um, there's also some concerns about the materials that are used that come from, you know, mined, they're a finite resource that come from um, sort of some uh, countries where they're exploiting resources. But I guess there'll be improvements in the battery technology as well, recycling the, the components to make it more circular economy. And yeah, of course, hydrogen is going to um, improve over time in terms of the costs and the supply chain, the skills. Um, and yeah, once you sort of get get more projects in the ground, then I think it'll sort of kick off. But as you said, it's sort of in competition. I think a lot of this is just competition and um, competition between hydrogen electrification, but also between hydrogen and uh, heat pumps, for example, in terms of uh, heating applications or versus bioenergy. So sort of there's not just one solution for our challenges, but a mixture. And I think the sort of key message really is that hydrogen is one of these uh, solutions um, but it's sort of one of our weapons or tools that we can use rather than a solution for all our, our needs. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. Some people might say that, but uh, I think it's more a balanced approach. And so can green hydrogen be produced in like small quantities locally, or is it always something which has to be done on a large scale somewhere central? Yeah, it can be done small scales. You might have a you might um, you might own an industrial site in a rural area, and you've got some access to a wind farm, a wind turbine, or some rooftop solar PV, uh, which has high, which experiences high levels of curtailment, and you could use that to produce small amounts of hydrogen, um, and then use it when you need to. But on the whole, I think it's going to be sort of these large scale, multi megawatt, gigawatt projects, um, which yeah, produce hydrogen in, in large quantities, and then they offtake it. Uh, to various users, so it might be through pipeline, it might be through what we call tube trailers. This is a way in which you transport hydrogen by road, um, or it might be injected into the natural gas grid, or dedicated pipelines. to sort of yeah, different ways in which it can be offtaken to different users. I think sort of the centralized or hub, hub approach, um, where you have lots of hydrogen produced in one place and then taken off to, to various users, is is um, sort of the the future, I'd say. So combining it with natural gas is another way forward, I believe. Yeah, so there's some proponents for blending, uh, blending hydrogen to the natural gas grids. And the UK government's going to make a decision on that later this year. Um, sort of the early thoughts are that up to 20% by volume into natural gas grids is achievable without any sort of major changes. 
Uh, and that's sort of the same with most um, current boiler technologies. They can take up to up to 20% by volume hydrogen. Um, and this sort of injecting into the gas grid is sort of one way to stimulate the production of hydrogen, sort of create a, a market for, for producing hydrogen and then selling it to the natural gas grid. Um, but one thing to note that 20% by volume is only uh, six or seven percent by decarbonisation, just owing to the fact that um, hydrogen's got a lot, a lot lower volumetric energy density than right. natural gas. So twenty percent, you might think twenty percent by volume is twenty percent by decarbonisation, but it's actually only six or seven percent. Um, so that's one thing to to bear in mind there. So that means you've got to put, you know, three times much. You've got to put three times more down the pipe as well. Yeah, that's correct. And yeah, lots of the pipe work for the some some places they're on about um, talking about repurposing the gas grid to to go up to higher volumes of hydrogen. But I think sort of in the short term or in the next decade, I think up to twenty percent will be the will be the um, sort of threshold. Um, I think there's other countries where it's slightly higher, um, but in the UK, up to twenty percent. Um, but yeah, as I said, the sort of advantage of this is it creates a stimulates a, a sort of source of demand for hydrogen and yeah. uh, more production projects. Does it help us with the agriculture then, green hydrogen, in helping to be more regenerative in the way that we farm? Well, so as you mentioned earlier, you mentioned about ammonia, and uh, listeners might not know, but ammonia is one of the main sort of ingredients for producing fertilizers. And if you can swap out the, uh, so ammonia is made by the Haber process with nitrogen and hydrogen combined to make ammonia, NH3, and so obviously one of the biggest things there is the hydrogen and a lot of that at the moment comes from fossil fuels, derives hydrogen and if you can swap that out for uh, green hydrogen which has got zero um, or next to zero uh, carbon emissions and then yeah then we can use that to make fertilizer then that's um, that can be that can be a, a useful a useful use case for for hydrogen definitely. Okay correct and so we've got um, we've really you know it's really it seems to have an answer to all of our problems, whether that's in industry, transportation, energy. Um, and so the downsides are what we've mentioned, that it's cost. It's the difficulty of storage. It's the difficulty of transportation. It's the fact that it doesn't contain a lot of energy, does it, I think? You know, I think if all yeah. we need is um, wind, water and sun, you know, to power ourselves, we'll probably find a way around that, won't we? Yeah, I think the challenges are... Um... Yeah, they're achievable. I think one other thing to mention is about the safety aspect. So I guess hydrogen has sort of different properties than natural gas in terms of the safety aspect. So it's got a, a sort of a more propensity for for safety. But I think the UK has got a strong track record in using hydrogen safely across various industries, whether that's chemical industry for feedstocks, for example. Um, and, there's, and there's set guidelines out there for uh, any... Um, any industry wants to use hydrogen to, to go about it safely. So I think it's got the sort of uh, hype or some um, risk associated with it, but I think this can definitely be managed carefully and there's definitely guidelines out there for, for that. So I don't think that is a major challenge really. And what's your biggest frustration, would you say, that, you know, working in that in, in the industry for as long as you have done? Yeah, so I think probably we've seen a lot of innovation aspects, a lot of sort of small pilot scale projects, a lot of talk about hydrogen, a lot of roadmaps and um, this, but I think it's about time is now to start getting some big projects out there, some big ones to showcase hydrogen can be useful, useful in different cases that I've mentioned, rather than just always just seems to be, people always say hydrogen is 30 years away and always will be, but 
don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's just people seem to think it's always something in the future when actually we have all the technologies now, everything is in place for it to happen now. We just need to get some big projects out there on the ground. Um, and yeah, people can see, people can get experience using it, build up a supply chain, uh, get the right people to get trained up to use hydrogen safely. And yeah, I think that's sort of a bit frustrating. People just keep talking about pilot projects or innovation or innovation funding. It's more just time to get some some uh, big projects out there. Are there any projects out there we can talk about or look at? Are there any case studies? Yes, I think a lot of the uh, the new Scotwind, this is the leasing round they have for wind, uh, offshore wind in Scotland. A lot of these developers are considering green hydrogen as a production route. Um, there's a lot of blue hydrogen projects in development uh, in England. So you've got Hynet, and also in Scotland, you've got Acorn, and uh, these sort of projects coming along. Um, uh, one use case I've been looking at recently is the case for distilleries. Um, so there's a thing called the Green Distilleries uh, Innovation Fund, and there's some distilleries which are now going down the route of hydrogen to meet their process uh, needs, whether that's on-site production of hydrogen uh, or third-party supply. So the sort of hub approach where um, hydrogen is produced centrally and then taken to several off-takers, uh, which could be distilleries, and then um, used that way. So there's, there's some our projects coming along um, for, these, for these use cases. Right. It sounds like we might need to go to sort of grey or blue hydrogen first before green then. There needs to be a process because the green hydrogen is going to be too difficult to expensive. Yeah, so definitely a lot of developers are struggling to get a secure and reliable um, supply of hydrogen at the moment. So in the short term, I think definitely blue hydrogen has its role to play. It's perhaps a bridging solution before we have more, um, before, more, more green hydrogen out there. Um, but yeah, I think uh, any movement in the right direction is, 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 is a good good solution. Um, so yeah. once somebody's up and running with blue hydrogen, for example, is it just a natural next step to go to green hydrogen? It's just a question of expense. Yeah, it's just it's just so even though they've got different colors, it might sound like the actual component of the hydrogen is different, but it's, it's identical, just the way in which it's produced that differs. So mm -hmm. anyone who's using blue hydrogen or gray hydrogen or whatever, uh, they can easily swap from one color, color to the other um, with no, 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 no difference, no inherent difference to the way in which the fuel uh, interacts or combusts. Yeah. And I guess they'd be blended as well, wouldn't they, presumably? You could say that... Yeah, and you can blend it with... Uh, if you've got a boiler, for example, you can run it on a blend of, of a certain percentage of hydrogen with natural gas or biogas. And then as you're... As the technology matures or the availability of the fuel increases, then you can sort of switch in favor of uh, in favor of the low carbon fuels, um, which I think, yeah, it's a good sort of way to transition from from one to the other, not just stop one and then start something else. You can you can transition over a period of time. But would they blend, for example, green and blue hydrogen? Yeah, you could. Yeah, there's no no reason why you couldn't. But I think mm -hmm. most cases you'd probably concentrate on one rather than the other. Um, think um would be my opinion um but yeah you could there's no reason why you couldn't um why you couldn't blend the two they're both identical just different way in which they're in which sure. they are um produced you sort of sell it then as 20 percent green don't you and then you just yeah well yeah well yeah and blue is even though it's called blue it's still green <laughs> in a sense that it's got uh, still a, a zero carbon option so as, as well the Assuming that there's no methane leakages upstream, so that's one concern with blue hydrogen is that upstream, when you get the natural gas in the first place, the feedstock, whether there's any methane leakages or not into the atmosphere. But assuming there's no methane leakages and you get a near 
a near 100% uh, carbon dioxide capture rate, then yeah, it is a zero carbon option. So yeah, in terms of policy, most people, most countries um, look at them both in the same light, so not favouring one over the other. Right. And maybe the government will come in and sort of provide some subsidies to, you know, to encourage use of hydrogen, green hydrogen. Yeah, perhaps. Definitely. I think it'll be written into existing policies in a way to incentivize people to to use it. Um, yeah, definitely think that sort of um, encouragement uh, will, go, will go a long way and sort of incentivize the industry to keep to get going and to um, sort of, yeah, get our track record, get our sort of momentum. Is there a surplus of green hydrogen anywhere where it could be perhaps exported to other countries? Well, I think certain countries which have a which have a strong sort of appetite for producing hydrogen, um, where they've got a lot of offshore wind resource, for example, or a lot of um, uh, solar resource, they can perhaps use the excess which they don't use in terms of electrification or hydrogen, then export it to other countries where there's uh, more demand. Um, so one case could be, for example, Scotland has a lot of offshore wind, uh, a very constrained electricity network. Um, so if you produce the excess into hydrogen and you could sell it perhaps to Germany where there's a lot of appetite for, for using hydrogen, I think there's definitely, maybe there's some other cases across the world, um, not 100% aware of those, but definitely Scotland and Germany is one that has been mentioned. Is there liquid hydrogen? There is liquid hydrogen. There's a diff one different ways in which you can store, which, which you can transport hydrogen, uh, either in a gaseous form or in a liquid form. Um, yeah. And if it's in liquid form, is it very cold? Yeah, it's cold. Um, and there's also another one where you can combine the hydrogen to, I think they call it a liquid organic hydrogen carrier, LOHC, which is where you can uh, sort of, yeah, combine the hydrogen to, uh, to another compound uh, as a means of transportation. And then when you need to use it, you release the hydrogen from this organic compound uh, as a different way. So yeah, it's called LOHC. Okay. And that would presumably require quite a lot of energy though to keep it. In yeah. To, to, a lot of energy to um, to produce the, the to combine the hydrogen with the organic material, then to release it again. Um, so I'm sure there's sort of cost benefit analysis as to whether uh, it's better or worse than uh, in a gaseous form or in a pure liquid form. Right. And how is green hydrogen used to create synthetic fuels? I think it's e gasoline and e methanol. Yeah. So you have these. Um, so, for example, synthetic aviation fuels. So, um, I think that's one thing we have not touched on is aviation. So, in terms of the synthetic fuels, uh, you can combine hydrogen, which you produce by electrolysis, and then combine it with um, carbon dioxide or carbon compounds to then produce your synthetic fuels, which then combust in an engine. So, I think Formula One, for example, there uh, they want to decarbonize and they're not going to go down the electrification route. Uh, so that's one way they're going to try and do it is via the synthetic synthetic fuels. I think it's still very early stages. Um, uh, it's all about the sort of supply of, of carbon dioxide that you can use to make the synthetic fuels and hydrogen as well. And then you've got to consider the the competition between hydrogen use for for transport or for the synthetic fuels or for making ammonia. So it's all these sort of trade-offs you've got to think about um, playing off against each other. Yep. Um, shipping in the same way then? Shipping, yeah. Uh, I think that's an important sector uh, for, for hydrogen, uh, especially in the yeah in the shipping sector um, and as ammonia as well. Uh, storing it as ammonia, using it as ammonia. Um, yeah, yep. shipping is definitely a big, a big key sector 
I don't think, my opinion, I don't think electrification will do this heavy, heavy goods uh, transport by shipping. So I think hydrogen definitely going to fit in, fit in that sector. Yeah. So we've talked about aviation, steel. I think we've mentioned as well because it takes a lot of, a uh, lot of heat to create steel. Yeah. So anything, any, any, any high process temperature sector, yeah. whether it's glass, um, paper, steel, um, any of these high temperature processes where it's difficult to do it first, where you need, where you need steam or you need direct combustion of a flame, um, mm -hmm. to produce a flame. Um, these are sectors where, where hydrogen can come, can come into, into fruition. Right. Great. And refineries too. So helping to, well, the oil companies are investing in green hydrogen then to help them with their own footprint. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they're trying to repurpose their assets. The same with the gas network operators. They want to repurpose their assets uh, for the sort of green economy and hydrogen is a route that the, the fossil fuel industry can keep alive. Um, but we're going to be mindful that they're not just lobbying to produce hydrogen for the sake of keeping their uh, assets going, but for the cases of the environment and for actual green credentials rather than for any form of greenwashing, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. What's your personal view then, Lewis, on the future of green green hydrogen? Yes, I think as we mentioned, the key takeaway really is that uh, a lot of people see it as the answer to all of our uh, all of our challenges. But I think we've got to be realistic and say we've got a variety of different tools at our disposal, whether that's electrification, bioenergy, hydrogen, um, whatever, and therefore it's just picking the right solution to fit the right. Um, the right challenge, I suppose. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's taking into consideration all the pros and cons, um, the cost, the hydrogen will be, uh, some people don't like hydrogen at all, they think it's a waste of time, but I think it's it has a role to play in amongst these other solutions. And we'll see a, a, hybrid, a hybrid scenario where some some buses are on hydrogen, some are on uh, electrification. Um, some industries have got, are on electrification, some of them are on hydrogen. I think it's just gonna be uh, not a one size fits all, not one size fits all, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, a uh, more varied and balanced approach. How certain can you be when you're providing a quote on this technology today? So yeah, one of the difficulties with hydrogen is just the uncertainty. So uh, for example, if we're doing a net zero roadmap for a client, we may suggest different pathways to decarbonize and in there we'll include hydrogen as an option um, in amongst our heat pumps or electrification or bioenergy approach. Um, and for the aforementioned technologies, we can easily give the numbers, the timeframes, the, um, the costs, this sort of thing. But when it comes to hydrogen, we have a bit more un uncertainty as to what figures we can provide, whether that's in terms of the availability, can they actually um, get hold of a secure supply of hydrogen, how much it's going to cost for the equipment, how much it's going to cost for the storage, how much it's going to cost for the for the distribution. So it's quite a challenge to give them concrete numbers um, with any certainty of confidence. Okay. I think that's where people are more inclined to go with the other uh, solutions because it gives them more certainty, more security for the long term than hydrogen can provide at the moment. But we may see over time this may change. Hydrogen may be the one where we can give the most certainty. I don't know. It just remains to be so it's, seen. It's really about supply then. There's just not enough green hydrogen about to be able to you know, provide a solution and know that it's actually going to be there when you come to deliver. Yeah, there's not enough. Uh, this is a common thing that we get from uh, our experiences in the sector is that there's just not really enough to go around. It's in competition. People want it, but when they try and set up a project or to try and they just can't get hold of it. 
Um, right. So it's, 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 a, it's a real challenge. There's not really enough of it about. So that's where it goes back to my point about read more big projects, more uh, producing hydrogen, find the off-takers. Uh, and a lot of the policy is going that way. So we have the uh, net zero hydrogen fund, for example, um, the hydrogen production business model, these different sort of incentives that are coming out by the UK government to sort of drive this um, sector forward. So that's good. It's good to know that there is invest well, there is there are incentives there, but it doesn't sound like the government is investing specifically in building sort of uh, uh, green hydrogen installations like they might with nuclear, for example. Yeah, so they're sort of expecting um, the industry to develop on its on, on its own accord with the right. government support. Um, yeah, so they are on about these hydrogen allocation rounds for various projects, uh, which mm -hmm. are coming. I think this is the first uh, leasing rounds have been this year. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. I think it's just a bit disappointing that 2023 and we haven't got any significant hydrogen on the ground in the UK. Um, yeah. But hopefully we can catch up, make up for a sort of lost time and, um, yeah, get there. It's been a great, great uh, discussion with you. Thank you very much, Lewis, on helping us to understand uh, green hydrogen how it's made and how it can be used and how it's going to help us move towards a more sustainable, regenerative, hopefully, uh, 21st century. Thanks very much, Lewis. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.